Moncrief on News Talk. Uh, time now uh, to cast our eyes away from this country and to other places uh, with uh, news from around the world. As ever, our guide is Jonathan de Burke, a butler. Jonathan, good afternoon to you. Sean, how are you getting on? I hope you're well. Uh, not too bad. We just did a vox pop about uh, about small talk, and that's the extent of the conversations everyone's <laughs> having with each other. Uh, right, anyway, uh, Nigeria we're going to go to first. And, uh, and uh, a preacher's account was stopped after hate speech. Yes, uh, this is, uh, as you said, in Nigeria. So it's a Nigerian TV evangelist, a man by the name of T.B. Joshua. Uh, who would be very well known, not just in Nigeria, but right across the continent, right? So he has some fairly influential followers, um, uh, you know, in in other parts of the continent, uh, even, you know, politicians and the like. And he's the type of fellow who's able to go on tour uh, around the world. Like, so he goes to the USA, the U- UK, South America, that kind of thing. So he's mm. a huge following, right? And, and you know, there's thousands of people turn up to his his weekly seminars or whatever you want to call them um, uh, in Lagos, where he's based in Nigeria. So he gets like tens of thousands of people turning up to his his church, which is called the Synagogue Church of All Nations, right? So as I said, very popular televangelist. Um, But there was a complaint made against him um, by a rights body called Open Democracy, right? They're a UK-based rights body. And they flagged with YouTube that this particular evangelist had uh, some controversial videos on his YouTube channel. Now, this YouTube channel has something like one point, nearly two million subscribers, right? So it's a big deal. And uh, the problem that Open Democracy had with these uh, videos or with some of the videos, at least, was that they appeared to show that this man could cure people uh, of gayness okay um Ooh, he could get right. he could get rid of the gay as mm. you sometimes like to say sean and uh he uh in one particular video all right um there's a woman a woman by the name of okaye uh who is seen being slapped in the face along with another woman who's unnamed and by the end of it uh, she turns around and kind of thanks the evangelist and says uh, that she had now stopped feeling affection for women and she now has affections for men. And it's all done through the, uh, you know, the spiritual hands and evangelizing hands of TB Joshua. So YouTube have basically said, look, we're shutting down this channel because we don't like, this is against our rules, basically. Mm. And, uh, and, and that's where it's at at the moment. Uh, and uh, has, this, has he reacted to this? Has this generated any controversy in Nigeria? Yeah, well, I'm, I, it has amongst his followers, uh, as I'm sure you can imagine. And he has also said that he's going to appeal to YouTube. Um, it's unlikely that the channel will be back up anytime soon, uh, to be honest with you, though. And, and Facebook have actually wrote in be, behind as well. Uh, and they've removed at least one of uh, one of his posts from his, his following. But it's interesting that the Facebook one is interesting because I don't think they've actually taken down his page. They've just removed an offending, uh, an offending post. Mm. Um, so yeah, it, it we'll, we'll see how it pans out from, um, um, but yeah, he's, he's been around controversy for quite a bit. You might remember actually back in 2014, that one of his churches actually collapsed and, uh, it ended up killing 116 people. Mm. Um, and there was no prosecutions around that, even though a coroner in, in a court basically found that the, the church was culpable because, because of 
criminal negligence. And um, so there was responsibility for that was 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 put on him, uh, but he never saw the inside of a cell. Right. Okay. And would this be big? But is this televangelism as we know? We know what in the kind of American incarnation is this big business? Massive. Uh, so big that the uh, National Broadcasting Commission in Nigeria actually banned TV stations from showing programs. Um, but they were able to get around that by basically setting up on them on their own. Uh, and they have their own followings, of course, and they get money in from that and merchandise and whatever else goes along with that. So, uh, but but of course they're giving you know spiritual um, replenishment in return, I suppose. So uh, yeah, it's very big business, Sean. To be honest with you, and um, uh, it will go on regardless of what TB Joshua's role is in the future. It it will certainly continue. Right, Tunisia. We're going to next where twenty one people have drowned. Yeah, I, I, I know people have heard stories uh, like this for the last number of years, but um, it's uh, something I suppose that we need to remember is, is still happening. Mm. Uh, and this is people who are trying to come from North Africa and indeed Central Africa who are trying to get to Europe. Uh, and this is from the port town of Sfax that they're coming from in Tunisia. And they're trying to get across the the Mediterranean and, and get into Lampedusa, the island of Lampedusa, of course, in, off, off Italy. Um, but unfortunately for this, these 21 people, they died after their boat sank off the coast. And this is the third case in about in less than 12 months uh, where we know there's been um, a boat has, has, has sunk uh, when it's departed this particular place. So that's 21 bodies have been recovered so far, unfortunately. Uh, last month, nearly 40 um, um migrants died in, in similar circumstances and, and last June there was another 60 who were killed so you know just from that port alone you're looking at about 200 people have died in the last uh, uh, less than last uh, 12 months yeah uh, and so yeah we've kind of it, well, I suppose for for many reasons it's, it, it's gone out of the headlines but it's gone yeah. it's happening on an ongoing basis Absolutely. Uh, right Spain we're going to go to next and uh, an odd one in the sense that a fireman uh, has gotten in trouble for starting a fire yeah, a very odd one indeed. Uh, this happened in the north of Spain. So it, it's the province of uh, Cantabria, which is, I suppose, the city we'd associate with that is Santander. OK, but this happened in a smaller town uh, and it involves a man. I think he's probably in his early 30s, mid 30s, uh, Luis Trueba. And he's now the former head of the Civil Protection Volunteer Service. OK, in this small town in Cantabria. And um uh, basically, in 2019, in February of that year, he deliberately set uh, a fire um, uh, that got out of control and did about 200,000 euros worth of damage, right? And he did this, apparently, and according to what's been said in the courts, to satisfy his own ego, right? This is what the judge has basically said. He said that he went into the forest uh and he, he set fire at six different points, uh, a couple of meters apart from each other so that they join up and that the fire would, would, would take off so that he could go basically as head of this civil, civil protection volunteer service and put the fire out. But it got completely out oh. of control and more and more people had to be called in. So in the end, there was, you know, uh, two amphibious airplanes used you know the ones that they fly over and they mm. drop the drop the water on the fire so it got completely and utterly out of hand so he's been sentenced to three and a half years in prison 
uh, and ordered to pay nearly €160,000 in damages. My word, did he admit to doing it? That's a good point. Uh, I think he said... Uh, I think he did, to be honest with you. Now, there's nothing in the in the text that I read that said that he had. But from what I can from what I can infer, right? He he said that he did, but the defense was that he went back and he put it out. Hmm. Uh, so therefore, he should be, you know, he should kind of when they were delivering their judgment, the court should have taken that into consideration. So instead of paying damages of of a hundred you know, 160,000 euros odd, the defence said, Asher, here, let him off with 4,000. And the court basically laughed um, in, in, in the lawyers, in his defence lawyer's face and basically said, look, he, he got practically the National Guard out here uh, to put out this fire. So there's no way we're going to let him off with four grand. Uh, and on top of that, we're going to give him three and a half years in prison. Um, he did try, you know, and, and defend himself, but there was so much evidence against him. Like he, he was seen by one of his colleagues taking a, a petrol can out of the driver's side of his vehicle, which he was trying to hide. Uh, this was just after they had put out the fire. Um, so the evidence was fairly heavily stacked against him, to be honest with you. Yeah. And like, also kind of implies he was a pretty crappy fireman if he didn't know that this fire would go out of control completely. Well, he, well that's, that's true. But I think the whole point was that he was going to start a fire so he could kind of go in there and, and, and show what a hero he was. But yeah. it just got very badly out of control. Yeah. Uh, right. Montenegro, we're going to go to uh, next. Uh, they have uh, trouble with the amount of money they owe China, doesn't everyone? <laughs> <laughs> well put. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but Montenegro, given its size, I mean, there's only about 600,000 people in it. Uh, owing China $1 billion is not great. And Ouch. Yeah, it won, and it's $1 billion for a road that isn't even built yet. And to be honest with you, there is probably a little bit of controversy around the lack of transparency in the tendering protest and, you know, potential corruption and that kind of thing. Uh, around it as well. So, look, this this road was built to link uh, a port on the Adriatic coast to neighbouring Serbia. Okay, and to be fair to them, they they did a few feasibility studies on this, right? So they conducted two uh, in 2006 and 2012, and they went to the European neighbours and the European Union, and they basically said, "Here, listen, we've got this road we need to build. We think it'll be great. Can you can you do it for us?" And the Europeans said, "No, it's just not going to work." And so the Chinese said, yeah, we'll we'll pay for it. But basically, we want if you can't pay us back, we want a bit of this and we want a bit of that. OK, as in we 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 want some of your land and your assets, basically, in the deal. So the previous government, they said, OK, that seems like a fair enough deal. But now they're going to have to pay the first part of the loan and they don't have any money. Um, the first loan payments are due in July and uh, they've gone to the EU with the begging bowl, um, looking for, for a dig out with the pay. Uh, but the EU saying, look, we just can't do that because we don't re- repay loans for third par- third parties. I mean, the fact that Montenegro isn't part of the EU as well mm. probably has something to do with it. Um, but it's a really big mess they've, they've got themselves into. But again, it just shows the influence of China uh, everywhere and, and how they're using their money to 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 get into every corner of the world, you know. Uh, are there any indications of just how much of Montenegro China will eventually own if they can't pay back the debt? <laughs> I don't know. That's uh, it's a good question. I'm not 100 percent sure, to be honest with you. But I, I suppose it's enough 
for them to be going and uh, and asking other people to sort out the situation for them. Now, I should say that the EU is willing to offer support to the country uh, through an economic investment plan, and they're saying that that might free up some funding from elsewhere that they can pay off their debts. So, you know, it might be a roundabout way of the EU, sorry, the European Union helping Montenegro because, you know, it's right, it's right on the European Union's back door and mm. you're effectively saying... You know, there's two empires, you know, there's, the Chinese are going to be right beside us and we could really do without it, especially considering that they've got a great relationship with Serbia. The Italians are doing business with China and all of those little countries, um, you know, on the uh, uh, on the in sorry, sorry, I'm, my geography is all over the place yeah. now in the northeast of Africa are yeah. doing deals with them, um, you know, the European Union needs to watch out uh, who 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 who's doing business with them. Yeah, and like the Chinese are building infrastructure, for instance, all over Africa. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah um, and, and and the interesting, I know, I, I don't want to harp on too much about it, Sean, but the interesting thing about it is that part of that one road, one belt scheme, as we've gone on about before, part of it does come into like Turkey and Europe and, and parts of Europe as well. You know, it's a huge scheme, um, and that road plan in Montenegro was part of that scheme and, and the road is actually built, being built by a Chinese construction firm um, so you know the level of influence is is uh, quite startling to be honest with you. Mm. Right Canada we're going to go to uh, next now we did mention this story uh, a few days ago that this uh, MP uh, he says accidentally uh, appeared naked during a Zoom meeting but uh, that story seems to have progressed a little yeah, I don't know. I, 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 have you seen the photos of this? Yeah. Okay. Uh, right. So anyway, Will Amos is the MP in question, and uh, as you alluded to, he basically was naked uh, before what's called question period um, in the their their the equivalent of their House of Commons. I think it's called the House of Commons actually. But anyway, um, the photo. Somebody took a photo of him doing that. Now, this was while the uh, it, the chamber was in private session. So it had to be somebody who is also an MP. Mm. And the photograph was leaked to the press and then it went all over social media. And it's become now extremely embarrassing for this particular MP. Will Amos is his name. And uh, to the extent where he's been, you know, he's been asked to show up at a, or he was scheduled to show up at a few public events and he's just not doing it anymore. And so it could be the case where the there might be an investigation launched into who it was who leaked the photo, and they could be the ones who end up being in more trouble. There is a section of the country's criminal code which basically prohibits sharing of an intimate image of a person, knowing that the person depicted in the image did not give their consent to that conduct. I'm quoting ah, there, as you can probably guess. Yeah. So the, the, whoever the MP was who leaked it, if it was, it could have been somebody who was you know, they're in attendance or whatever, um, could be in big trouble. Yeah, because I think his story was that he had just been out for a run, for a I think, and yeah. he just changed his clothes. Like, yeah. you know, typical man didn't go upstairs to change the clothes, uh, uh, threw all his clothes off and he was in the sitting room or wherever his uh, laptop was, but didn't realise the camera had clicked on. Exactly. That's exactly what happened. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, very strange. Uh, but there you go. It's caused a bit of controversy, but it might cause more than it, than, than it you know, you initially thought. Uh, mm. 
But there you go. Yeah. Uh, right. Uh, we're uh, going to go to, well, it, it involves both uh, Pakistan and France. And French citizens are being urged to leave Pakistan by the French government, is it, or by the Pakistani government? No, by the French government, yeah. The French embassy are basically issuing warnings to their citizens saying that there are serious threats to French interests in Pakistan. And what they mean by that is their citizens. There's been this ongoing row, really, I suppose, between uh, President Macron and many countries in the Muslim world, I suppose. I I don't want to be too overarching in my description of it, but there has been issues. And, And it basically stems from Macron's strong defense of, of freedom of expression after the beheading of that teacher um god was it last year at this stage i mm. think la- last october and um and and everything that's gone with it you know the charlie Hebdo cartoons and that kind of thing and there have there are some hardline parties in pakistan who have kind of been leading the charge uh and calling for boycotts of of french goods and that kind of thing in pakistan right so that's been that's been going on for a while there was a kind of a lull, but then last week the leader of one of these hardline parties was, was arrested and that sparked the whole thing off again and it's got even worse. So last week two police officers died uh, during clashes with protesters and um, yeah, the French embassy seemed to think that it's it's not particularly safe for French people in, in, in that part of the world at the moment. Um, so yeah, dangerous situation and, and again, a situation that has not really abated for, you know, the guts of five or six months now. Yeah. And, and so, so presumably after these arrests, there was there any hint that there's some sort of intelligence where people are actively planning uh, uh, to harm French citizens? That's a good question. I don't know, to tell you the truth. Uh, I, I, I don't think so. I think the, the problem with this guy who was arrested, Saad Hussein Rizvi, He's the leader of this party that's been around for a while, Tariq Ed Laibak, Pakistan. And there's another organization in Bangladesh as well that are associate with, associated with them. And they would be known for leading um, uh, these sort of protests, you know, in favor of blasphemy laws, okay, mm. which are very strong, of course, in Pakistan. But I think an awful lot of Pakistani officials would prefer weren't so strong. Does that make sense? Yes, indeed. Um, yeah, yeah I, I think some of them find it slightly embarrassing, to be honest with you. But uh, he's he's kind of the leader of that, and and they got rid of him, and of course that that didn't uh, that didn't impress his followers at all. So it's all been lumped into the one thing, and 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 it's a lot of the focus of the attention is being focused on on France. Yes, uh, indeed. But that, that's uh, within France. I think that's uh, somewhat controversial. Uh, right. In the few seconds we have left, Jonathan, uh, what should we look out for over the next week or so? Yeah. So a couple of things. Obviously, Queen Queen Elizabeth is 95 on Wednesday, um, which is is rather poignant, I suppose, sad mm. in a way. Uh, she'll be she'll be on her own uh, there for that. Uh, Thursday then is Earth Day, um, which is uh, will be on all day. That's the one where we turn off all the lights, isn't it? For all oh, right, minutes. okay. I thought we and, and we hope that we're going to save the planet. Yeah, which is actually not really saving the planet; it's just keeping us alive, really. But anyway, uh, Sunday uh, parliamentary elections in Albania, which should be interesting as well. So plenty happening. Right, good stuff, Jonathan. Thanks a million thanks, as ever, Jonathan De Burke Butler. There you are listening to the Moncrief Show on News Talk. We're going to take a break. Back in a couple of minutes. Moncrief on News Talk.